British Drumman Podcast, the first episode of 2021. So, Happy New Year, Shane. Happy New Year, viewers, listeners, whatever. <laughs> Have you? Um, right, let's get straight into it. So, we've been put into national lockdown again. So we've we've covered we've covered lockdown quite in quite in depth and given you some uh, free ideas that you can implement. Uh, a thing that we haven't covered so much is um, I've had quite a few people ask me. They've give they've given me like a bit of a budget and said, "Oh, I've got a couple of hundred quid. What what should I what should I bat, what should I try and get my hands on for for lockdown?" Um, so in fact, Shane, I'll put you on the spot. If you had like a say two to four hundred pound budget, what would you what would you buy for your if you had to train in your living room again? What would you uh, what would you what would you buy to train? Well, for- this is this is a good one actually because like you said because this is good because I genuinely believe that this isn't going away for probably well I'm not going to say the rest of the year but most of the year I'm going to say. So I think that it's definitely worthwhile investing in some kit because otherwise you're just going to be in and out of lockdown, in and out of training, and it's just going to be an absolute ball ache. And we're already on the third one or something, aren't we? And eventually motivation is just going to go out the window and you're just going to fuck it off. So I would say if I had a couple hundred quid, I would get a, a barbell or an axle or something that I could... Um, just do me kind of standard movements with and I wouldn't be looking to get if I had a low budget I wouldn't be looking to spend half my budget on a good bar that's why I would say an axle as well because you can usually pick up an axle real cheap even if it's a scaffolding pole or something you know what I mean spend as little money as I possibly could on a bar or something like that and then I would make sure I had so can I just interrupt on that? So uh, a shout out to um, Simon Thomas, Celtic strength or Celtic strength, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm sure Well, Luke Davis sent a link the other day to somebody and he recommended an axle that was 55 quid. I couldn't believe it. I went on the website and they had um, an axle bar on there for 55 pounds. Um, so I imagine that... I, I, yeah, because you ain't, you ain't going to get a bar for 55 quid, are you? Let's be honest. Oh, no. Um, gonna, even a shitty gonna, bar gets ramped up a lot. Paying double that for a wank bar, aren't you? At yeah. the so, and as well, if you're doing strongman, obviously the axle is more specific anyway. So, anyway, I'd then, I'd then get myself enough plates for, um, so that I could, it depends how strong you are, obviously, enough plates that I could have enough weight to do some good volume uh, work with. So, for me, I would say if I, even if I could make 140, 150, I could put some good grafting on my deadlifts. I had I would have enough weight to do um, some some decent assistance exercises on there as well. And if you get the lockdown plates, um, a company I've been recommending just because they have a good stock of plates and the relative they're not they're not cheap, but for lockdown plates they're, they're good value uh, it's pro plates um and they're not anything fancy but i think they're about two pound a kilo which um for brand new plates is pretty you know that's unbelievable mate unbelievable 
Yeah, it's not, it's not so bad. Um, so, again, you could get yourself um, a decent set of plates there. And then depending on what I had left, if I was doing strongman, I would try and invest in something to do a front carrying load. With. So I would go with a sandbag. Um, and then I would probably try and get one set of light dumbbells just because I like my shoulder stability and isolation assistance. So even if I had a set of 10 kilo dumbbells, I'd be able to do my um, power raises, IYTs, stuff, stuff like that. Uh, that, I'm, that I'm a fan of and then a band or something um, would be would be my go-to um, and I think that yeah I think that would be that would be it really um, as, as, as a low-end budget kind of purchase yeah absolutely brilliant um, so I, I'm thinking pretty much pretty much exactly the same kind of structure as you've just laid out I was thinking ideally if you could, <clears throat> if I could get like 140 in plates or something, something so I could get around that 40, 50%-ish uh, mark of, of your max or whatever, you can get some substantial volume on that. Um, and then obviously you can, uh, on deadlifts for instance, and obviously you could vary, you could, um, you, you you keep beltless and go say wide grip and add a, add some pauses and some controlled eccentrics in there and you you're suddenly getting a really really challenging stimulus. Um, yeah, you can make you can make the variations hard um, as long yeah. as you've got like you say about. I still I would still think you need at least like you say forty fifty percent. Yeah, um, but but you can get. You can get so this is the difference, right? If you invest in an axle bar for 55 quid and like 140 plates, yeah. the difference in home training from having nothing to that is just massive. Oh, like, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, like I, I've got a couple of clients who've messaged me today and he's like, Oh, yeah, panicking a little bit. And I'm like, Oh, shit, don't worry about it. What, what, what have we got to work with? Expecting him to just say like body weight or whatever. And he's like, Oh, I've got a bar and 200 kilos of plates. And I'm like, Fuck. Absolutely amazing! Like the opportunities are endless with that. Um, I think thing that I, that I'd I'd recommend if it, that I, I don't know where to where to get one from exactly, but just have a look on marketplace budget. Um, getting getting a set of wheels like a set of car wheels. I think they're absolutely unbelievable because they're they're so cheap, but also as well, if you're going to be training outside or in your garage. They protect the floor so well. They're like, uh, it, it, it's just like do, using the bumper plates on kind of a like a, a sofa cushion or padding or whatever. Yeah, absolutely- well, that's another thing actually. Now you mentioned it, sofa cushions are good, a good grab, isn't it, to protect you? Yeah, right? that's what, that's what I was going to say. So, but so if you could get get hold of like say a couple of tire, a couple of old tires that you'll get for free, um, and like say look out for on marketplace for free sofas and stuff people people are give away free sofas all the time just nab the cushions off those and you could stuff the stuff the cushion and the foam into the um into the tires or just just leave the cushions as they are for for kind of doing your kind of overhead like axle overhead or barbell cleaning presses cleaning jerks or whatever um because that's uh, that's something that I've I forgot to mention to a couple of clients, a couple of clients are doing overhead 
and the like yeah. Shane, I'm a bit sketchy putting more weight on because um, <clears throat> it's awkward bringing it back down. Yeah. <clears throat> so I need to make, make sure I mention uh, that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're brilliant. The the best the best thing for like ollie lifting in the garden or whatever or doing that training axle or whatever dropping from overhead are those uh myrafit drop pads they're absolutely brilliant honestly um highly recommend but again they're like 120 quid or something for a pair so quite expensive so if you're not if you've got like quite a bit of disposable income they're an absolutely great tool like so good that that i i bought two pairs for the gym even though we have like say um, uh, weightlifting platforms and stuff, because it just it not not only does it protect the floor and protect the equipment, but it just kills it dead. So if you're doing quite a bit of rep work, it, you're not you're not chasing your bar around the platform. It's they're just absolutely amazing. But sofa you, cushions work really well, yeah, yeah. don't they? They just don't quite look as nice but if you've got a low budget you don't want to spend a third of your budget on your drop pad so the sofa cushions oh, ex exactly yeah. yeah um i would actually so, so i would argue that the the, the drop that the so the, the the drop pads are a little bit better for weightlifting because they're a little bit denser and they uh, absorb the heavier weight pretty well in terms of on a bar but if you're doing something like dumbbell or even log um, I think that if you could get like four sofa cushions, so like say maybe two taped together and then the other two taped together, I would actually say that the I think they're better, a lot better for dumbbell, dropping a dumbbell and absorbing it and uh, and also dropping a log. Like I, I, I actually think if you get the um, sofa cushions on the top of a tyre for log, absolutely brilliant it just it just kills it whereas you look at like say some of the the myrafit uh, drop pads it can be a, bit, a little bit bouncy you know if you're doing dumbbell or log sometimes yeah, yeah. so that, that that's a that's a great a great little tool um i think the sandbag is an absolutely brilliant option you can get those for i don't know what 60 to 100 quid or whatever um, and yeah, like we've said before guys you don't need to get a massively heavy one um you know think think about think about something that you want to obviously if you're training in lockdown at the moment in the uk it's fucking freezing so you don't really want to go outside cold and have to try and pick up a 110 sandbag because oh, no, you're probably just going to be like i can't be fucking ass get yourself an 80 kilo one or something you know what i mean yeah even 60 to 80 kilo like Remember, if it if you if you've got like one one object that you can that you can use, you're not going to you're probably not going to have a range of sandbags. If you're going to have like one stone or one sandbag or one keg, remember, if it's too light, you can always do more volume with it, which is 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 going to be the one one of the most important variables in progression. Anyway, is uh, accumulating more volume. Um. But if it's too heavy, it, you're just gonna. It's gonna be. It's gonna be just another barrier. You're not gonna be able to do as much work for one, but it's just gonna be another barrier. Like I, I even look at the the range of sandbags that I've got at the gym. I've got like 140, 120, 180, or whatever. And honestly, I've used the 120 about three three times. I haven't even tried to do the 140. Like, but 
but the 80 or 80, 60, 100, you can just kind of, oh, I feel a bit stiff, I feel cold, but you can just you can just go for it and warm up as you go along, you see. Yeah, because I, I like to use those lighter sandbags as a warm-up um, yeah. with, with people. So you want to be able to, like, go in your garage, get your sandbag out and do your front carries for a warm-up or whatever. Yeah. If you've got a 110, 120 sandbag... For some reason, when you when you moving kit to like set it up, it's twenty five times heavier than when you're actually uh, training, so it's just going to end up in the corner and you ain't going to get it out. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely go with a lighter lighter option sandbag. And if you don't yeah. have the budget for a sandbag, try and get yourself an old keg. Um, sometimes you can just find you know an old keg for free. Ask someone if you can uh, nab one. Oftentimes they'll let you, and you can either fill it with water, or if you got a, if you're a bit DIY, you can cut the top off and fill it full of shite if you want to, and uh, make it make it 60, 80 kilo without spending any money. Yeah, I, I would actually say that for for a lot of people, that right now a keg may be a better option because you can just leave it outside. If you're going to be moving outside, you can just you can just leave it out there. Uh, whereas obviously yeah, actually, the sun. You're gonna you're gonna finish your set, and then when it feels twenty five times heavier, you're gonna have to bring it in, or you leave it out and it gets soaked, and then you fuck for a while. Whereas the keg, you can just kind of leave 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 in the position where you where you start your session from, if you will. Um, yeah, I, I during the initial lockdown when I was training in the uh, in the garden. That's what that's what I had in the garden for front carries. I just had a, a sixty-three kilo keg, um, and it was perfect because even though it's really light, like I could use it as a warm-up. I could use it for extensions. I could use it for loading. I could use it for uh, endurance. I was doing like say some hundred meter sets or whatever. I was using it for sprints. Like it's just there's just it's just so versatile um and also just like dead easy to grip as well like sometimes if you can get the if you're doing like a lot of work with your sandbag and a lot of mindless stuff um you can get like a bit wet outside or damp or whatever and then it just makes it makes it makes it riskier for for slips and stuff whereas the the keg you can just always grab the handles no matter what the weather yeah, uh, and a look, another little tip that we've already covered on this, but that, that I've, I've been uh, doing some some of my clients who've been like, "All right, I've done. Uh, I couldn't get outside to do my moving event because it's been so icy. So this week I've put into them as an option to do the instead of like say um, twenty meter sprints and doing like getting to do like say twenty step twenty steps marching um, or a time set 30 seconds on 30 seconds off three rounds or something where they're holding an object in front of them and then just just marching and sprinting so they're getting that <clears throat> so they're not having to uh, factor in the kind of going outside going outside getting the stuff set up outside they can just um they, they can just do it on the spot inside where they're doing the static stuff um so yeah, so so get have a look on marketplace and some budget plates, and you've just got to ask yourself if you're somebody like 
if you're thinking, oh, God, oh, I'm not paying £3 a kilo for some shitty old plate, then you you just kind of need to open up your mind a little bit and, and just think that you, you're paying a premium because because right now they are they are actually worth that much if that's what people are going to pay for them and just think about the the potential you are going to be paying over what the price would be this time last year but the thing is that they're worth so much more now because of the demand and and they're going to add so much if you can just um if you can be open-minded and pay that little bit extra at the minute um, it's just going to add so much more value to your life and give you, so, like, just think of people listening to this, people listening to this, right, training, to be listening to this fucking podcast, right, training is a huge part of your life and you are hugely invested in it. And if you're listening this far into this episode, you are obviously really invested because you are choosing to listen to me and Shane talk shite instead of doing other things. I know people, like some people listen to this when they're driving or training or whatever, but you could be like, you're invested in it. So pay, paying paying quite a bit more money for, for for something at the minute because it was, and begrudging it because it was, it was worth less a year ago. Like, get over it. Yeah, just think of the value you're going to get out of it. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And you can, you can like, if at the end of the day, if you could go and pay three pound fifty for a three pound fifty a kilo for a good set, of, well, a whatever set of plates, like, or three pound a kilo, or whatever, and then we get the vaccine, so they they tide you over for the next six months, nine months, whatever, however long it takes. The vaccine sorts everything and. And everything goes back to how it was or whatever. Gym's open and they're going to be open forever. You're still going to be able to sell your plates for £1.50 to £2 a kilo. Like, you know, like you're not going to lose that that much money. And that that money that you've lost um, is going to be the, the price you pay for the, the value that you're getting in the next six to nine months or whatever. So... Anyway, right. Let let let's move on. Hopefully, people have got some uh, some good ideas there because I think we've covered like what you'd have in like an ideal world for lockdown, um, and then what you'd have like kind of minimalist. You know, if you could pick one thing or whatever, like what would you have? Like we've said, like a sandbag's a really good tool before, haven't we? But I suppose we've covered today that if you have a few hundred pounds to to spend. Um, yeah, so ideally, I, th- I think an axle, because it's just going to be cheaper than a than a bar, and that's not going to really. If you can get get hold of an axle for less than a hundred quid, it's going to be pretty much worth the same in a couple of years. Well, two or three years, um, you'll be able to sell it secondhand for a similar price. Whereas, um, and then obviously the plates. If you if you can get hold of a hundred like say a few twenty plates, then great. But if you can only get hold of one one pair of twenties, like just think of how, how much you can do. Like you you could have a good session with 
a, a good skill-based session with 60 kilos, Shane, couldn't you? Or 70 yeah, but something I was saying um, to a couple of clients um, the other day was, you've got to remember that, like I said kind of at the start, don't expect this to last six weeks. Plan for it lasting the full year. The reason being is because if you plan for the full year and it lasts the full year, you sort it training wise. If you don't plan for the full year and it lasts the full year, you're gonna you're just gonna you're gonna waste a year, basically. And the what I'm trying to get at here is if you've only got two hundred quid budget, so you can get an axle and two twenty plates, then get an axle and two twenty plates, and then the next month, when you've got another you know, spare 100, 200 quid or whatever, buy yourself another set of 20 plates. And then by the time you get to April time, you'll have accumulated enough kit that you can train however you want. Um, and then from April till the end of the year, if it does last that long, you're you, you sorted and you can keep adding kit as you go. What One piece of kit a month, you know what I mean? And... Um, eventually you're going to be sorted and like josh says if worse comes to worse and in you know in 2022 everything's back to normal then you have to sell your kit you're going to lose a little bit of money yeah but you're going to get quite a chunk back and also you're going to have got all that value out of the kit over the last year so it to me it's a no-brainer to just slowly invest in a little bit of kit every month and another point that i've just thought of now actually thinking about him being really open-minded that like the majority of people that I coach, well, literally everybody that I coach, um, it uh, invested during the first or second lockdown and bought some kit um, for their home setup, whether it be in the lounge or whether it be in the garden or whether they've, they've cleared the garage or whatever. And, not one of those people, when we came out of the both lockdowns and everything, some people thought, oh, yeah, we're, we're getting back to normal or whatever. I can't think of anybody that actually sold their kit and put, put things back up for sale. Like, like most people have turned around and said to me, oh, my goodness, I am so glad that I've bought this bar and uh, these plates or... I've got I've I've cleared my I've cleared my garage. I've cleared this rubbish out of my garage and created space, space that 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 I've always had, but I've I've just kept shite there. Um and I've got this little space that I can train whenever I want now. So when I when I can't make my Tuesday night session or if um if I have to get home for something or whatever, I can finish my programme at home. Like I don't need to go and have like a, another gym membership or I don't need to, you know what I mean? It's, um, it's going to give you, it's going to give you more value and more flexibility than. Yeah. Uh, I honestly think that it's just not a bad, it's not a bad investment at all. Yeah. It's uh, you've got to take yourself out of that mindset of relying on the gym Um and being because the like you say, the people who bought kit in first lockdown are sorted now, they don't have to think about it. You know, we're nearly a year on from there, aren't we? And they're, they're still using the same kit, they're sorted, might have added a few bits over time. But the people who are like, oh, wait till gyms are open, um, you know, it's it just doesn't seem to be going that way, does it, Josh? To be honest, which is a pain in the ass as gym owners, but um, it, it, it is what it is, I guess, yeah. 
and and also another be- another benefit as well like um that a lot of people have learned that are, are kind of in the g- normal gym environment they go to a commercial gym or they go to a gym like ours or whatever like they're obviously enjoying it because they're invested in it and they're getting coaching blah 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 they're getting a lot out of it but a lot a lot of people like are, are actually enjoying training by themselves a, li- a little bit themselves a little bit i'm not saying for every session like it drive it drive you maybe drive you a bit mad it's great to have a buzz but i've actually learned myself through lockdown that in an ideal world that i have like it say a mad monday session where i do my deadlifts and i love to train with have people there and egging each other on and stuff and same with friday i like to train with a group and all mucking and help each other and set stuff up and do some different kind of stuff that takes a while to set up. But on Tuesday and Thursday, I actually love training by myself. And I wouldn't, I, would, I don't really want anybody to kind of, I couldn't train with people all the time or the same environment all the time. Like I'm actually getting a lot of value in the stuff that I do on the Tuesdays and Thursdays, for instance, when I train by myself, I'm, I'm like, taking things a little bit slower and like working things out and practicing technique more. I'm, I'm, fo- I'm, I'm even like more focused on the intricacies and stuff. And I think long-term, but if pe- people who are invested in themselves and getting, getting a little setup at home, when gyms do get back open, I think that a lot of people realize that there's a lot of value in actually training in your own little in your own setup you're having your own music on you know that nobody's going to come in and walk in front of your kit whilst you're trying to work work something technical out you can lock yourself in it's completely your rules and then go to the go to the gym and have a bit of atmosphere and a bit of buzz but my point is that working in these different scenarios if you're open-minded with it there's actually a there's actually a lot of benefits that that you don't necessarily uh, see when we're thinking doom and gloom. If that makes sense, do you understand what I mean, Shane? Yeah, it's much, it's much easier to do the quote unquote bullshit stuff like uh, lighter work and technical drills and stuff when 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 you're on your own because you've not got anyone. Oh, that's easy. Go up, or you know what I mean. It's easy to yeah, exactly, exactly. Or, or you think yeah. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Right, let, let's move on. Hope, hopefully people have got quite a bit of value out of that and um, some uh, some ideas, maybe a different perspective on um, on things. And hopefully people will be inspired to go and fucking buy some equipment and buy some more equipment because um, you can get, just get loads of value out of it. Right, second part. We're going to we'll cover a bit of technique um, work now. And Shane... What did you say? Bag t- bag throw, bag throw. How would how how we can train for bag throw in terms of programming, some technique pointers, etc. Um, and then we'll wrap it up after this. So you take it away, mate. Right. Well, yeah, I got asked this on on the gram uh, of a couple of people on a little question box to put up. So I thought I thought I'd answer it because our kind of approach to this. I think it's a little different to how most people um, train bag throw. Well, most people don't really do much on it, to be honest with you. The standard approach to bag throw is you get your event stay, 
on a Saturday or whatever people do and they'll either do it at the end of a session or usually the end of a session I would say is more common to be honest with you and they'll just have not much structure to it um, they'll just be throwing it over to you know whatever setup they've got or even just throwing it in the air because they've got nothing to kind of eye and, and throw over and for me when you look at bag throw it's one of the only events in strongman that is extremely skill based and you can have someone who is stronger and can produce more force but because their skill is lower you've got someone who's weaker than them that is better at the event because they're more drilled they've got a better line better extension so they're able to express their strength better than the person who actually has the potential to to produce more force so for me when you've got a load that is that low you can do really high frequency and really high volume because the intensity is just nothing it basically it's really easy to recover from so for me what i like to do and i know you do this josh as well and uh, i had great success with luke richardson with this because this is just the, not to name drop or anything like what come but it's just to show that even at the highest level it still works. Um, so doing it at the start of literally every session you do, using it as like a movement prep and warm-up, because it's, it's great because it opens up your hips, it gets you some good triple extension, you're getting your arms over your head as well, so it's kind of mobilising that overhead position. Your upper back and stuff's involved, and because it's an explosive exercise, it gets you, your heart rate up and it gets you warmed up and you, you, you feel better after you do it as well. So I think it's just a great prep for your session. So obviously, if you don't have something to throw it over and you've just got to eye it, it's not ideal, but we can definitely uh, still make improvements there. So I would suggest recording some of your sets and reps. Not everyone, but you know, record every other set and putting in like 20 to 30 throws in whatever, you know, break them down however you want. Set to two EMOM for 10 minutes or something. You get 20 reps from there. Uh, just something short and intense and focusing on the throwing line that you're using and the skill and the extension and stuff. And doing that every single day, critiquing your technique on the videos, or if you've actually got something to throw over, it's much easier to kind of judge when if you're throwing it at the wrong angle because obviously you'll either hit the the frame or you won't go over it or whatever so it, it is easy if you've got something to throw over but again as long as you're consistent with it record every couple of sets and just look at how the bag's been thrown and uh, try and tweak it so that you're getting this nice vertical throwing line where once it reaches max height then it's going over the frame you don't want it to because the common mistake of the bag throw is it hits the frame before it's actually reached its max height. Um, so it's always good to record your sets because you might be thinking, Jesus Christ, I'm throwing that well high. But when he actually comes to throw it, you'll hit the frame before it reaches that height. So it's good to record. And doing it every single day like that means you're going to accumulate so much volume that you're going to get really skilled at the event. And it's not going to impact your overtraining with heavy recovery demands because at the end of the day, what are most people going to be throwing? Like a 16-kilo bag maybe as, as, a, as a male? Um, it's not that much load. So you're able to... The, the, the thing in terms of the recovery aspect, um, 
because there's no eccentric component, it's just concentric only. Yeah, like, that as well, yeah. You're, like, you, you're not getting any kind of tissue damage to, to that you have to take from your recovery bank account, if you will. Which is why it's such a good warm-up as well, because yeah, it's like a plyometric. It's, it's, it gets your nervous system firing because you're uh, being so explosive and contracting everything so fast. So it's a real good... It's a real good movement prep uh, style warm up for uh, for for a heavy session as well. I think it I think it's a really good way of doing it to be honest. And I, I wouldn't change that approach because I've used it so many times with good success now that for me that is how I program a, a, a bag throw now. Brilliant. So <clears throat> what we do? So a bit of. For advice for people like me who need some like objectivity, some measurability or whatever. Like if I was just outside, just throwing up a bag, just thinking, "Oh yeah, feels strong, feels strong today." Like I'd get I'd get bored very quickly of that. So what I would do is like I found like at my gym, I found a beam that's I think it's four point one meters high or whatever, um, and. I've got a range of bags now. I've got like four, what have I got? 16, 18, 22, whatever. Um, and basically what, what I do is just, uh, I have like, because I've been doing it three times a week at the minute. And basically I've just been doing a light one, a medium weight one and a heavy one. And with the light one, I might be focusing on clearance of the of this kind of beam and uh, clearing it by loads. Um and consistency so basically aiming for a spot to that i land the bag at so so basically it's not not going um it's not going to like to i'm not starting in one spot and then going to have to collect the bag like 10 meters away from me it's like might be like a meter behind me or something and then i might do um some sessions where i where i try and get so accurate with the height that i like if I was doing it outside without the beam, I might do like say start in the same start in the same spot and try and get the the sandbag to finish in the in the exact same spot. So you you maxim perhaps in maximizing that height, if you will. Um, stuff like say when I go on the heavier one, that I, the twenty two bag that I can't get that I haven't managed to get over yet. What I, what I'm practicing with that is I'm I'm doing like say touching the beam rather than trying to get it over. Um, um, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to get a touch on it, if you will. So, obviously, I'm promoting uh, height. It's got the line's got to be consistent still. Um, yeah. If you can wing something to throw it over, by the way, guys. So much because the the reason why I mentioned mainly the throwing outside is, I, from for most people I've programmed, there hasn't been anything to throw over. But if you can find yeah. something. It's so. It, I think it's just so much more beneficial, um, because you just like you say you're able to track it more. And if if you can, if you can, because even if you don't have a range of sandbags, obviously what you can do is, um, it, once you once you've got the sixteen over every single time, you could just put more sand in it, you know, and, and make it eighteen or whatever. And yeah, progression like that. It's kind of hard when you iron it outside because. Well, you don't really fucking know if you're going four meters or four point five or. So, a little tip: what people could do is like, um, if you literally haven't got anything that you can uh, that you can throw it over, what you could do is is uh, record it 
and uh, rec- set up a spot, an exact spot that you record from every single time and then get like a focal point in the background, like say the edge of a house or the whatever, some kind of focal point on the video. And then you can see, you can use that as a reference point over time. And you can see that, oh shit, I'm getting higher now consistently, or I'm getting three in a row to that height now. Um, and in terms of uh, in terms of programming, what, what I find, um, like say for instance, if you have one sandbag, say you started off with 14 or 16 or whatever, say 16, what what you do would be start off with roughly what, I don't know, 15 to 25 reps or something. It might start off as singles or doubles, might be like say 12 sets of two. And then when you get to the point where you're hitting 12 sets of two and they're all quality reps, try and do the same volume, but with triples next session, they might do eight sets of three. Um, and then the next session, you might do six sets of four. The next session might do five sets of five. And then when you're at the point where you're at, like, say, you could do three sets of eight with that weight, you're doing the same volume, but because you're doing more in a row, you're obviously building consistency. You're also stronger because you're managing to do, do some of the, the later reps under fatigue. Then you can then you can say, right, I'm going to put it up to 17 kilos now and I'm going to back, drop it back to doubles and then build up the... So with the same volume and time and tonnage or whatever, um, you progress in the the consistency. That works quite well. Yeah, that's. Uh, and then if you wanted to be yeah. like really really geeky with it, like like say I do at the gym, I might have one of my days that's like like say basically cycling the intensities of it. I might do right a one heavy day where I work with the say twenty two and I just go for five five to eight singles trying to get as high as I can or touch the low beam in my case. And then with the 60 or the 18 now, that's what I'm doing with the 18 one now. Like at first I was um, struggling to get it over for a single, but I think last session I did, I think yesterday I did five sets of five with the 18 over the 4.1. So then next week when I go to that accuracy session that isn't too tiring, um, I'll go for like four sets of six at that, and then, and then I might, and then I might be at the point where I get, uh, I might get four sets of six, but I missed like the fourth or fifth rep, and then I got back in and finished the set off, so I got the volume. I might, might the simple progression from that could be right four sets of six, but with getting six in a row, or the thing that I've done before when I've when I focus on the consistency aspect is like to count. If I miss a rep within the set, I go back to zero for that set, if you will, and it and then it really forces you to tighten up the thingy. But it's the same with same with a lot of strongman, um, a lot of uh, strongman exercises um, where you've just got to be creative and you can create like take ownership and create the uh, create create the object objective measures yourself because at the end of the day, a lot of us are motivated by the object seeing this objective progression you know like we've talked about before and like moving events and some people still do moving events and they oh how, how was that and they're just like oh yeah pretty fast like you're going to get a lot more value and going to be able to progress more and be if, if you have that feedback of know exactly how how far you're moving with what weight at what speed for what volume and you, you're just going to be able to track progression and make sure that you're getting this kind of 
1% better every week at everything um, rather than uh, rather than just guessing. Like I said before, if you're not assessing, you're guessing, um, which is really important for obviously the, the physiological adaptations, but also f- for someone like me, like, if I, if I can't see progress, I just fucking won't do something. I just, uh, if, if I'm just, if it's left to, oh, how was that? Was, was that pretty, like, I just fucking won't do it. I'll do something where I can see my progress, if you will. Um, and I think a lot of people are like that. So be, be creative in, um, by cre- creating all these little different, different kind of um, measures. Oh, one more, one more thing as well that I've seen somebody do with um, somebody do with an Atlas stone actually um, in his garage was like dangled like a bit of rope from the from the ceiling, and then did his extensions to touch the bottom of the rope, and then over time short shortened the rope. And I just thought, fuck me, this is absolutely brilliant. So he didn't have like didn't have to have a loading platform, but he's giving that that accountability to. Um, extending to a specific point, if you will. So you could create like a little little marker like that if um, if you're outside and you're below something or whatever. Like could create like get a bit of rope or something something hanging down that you could throw to as a target, uh, or you could do something on the side of a house or side of a, or a wall or whatever, just to give you that give you that measure. But hopefully we've given you, given you a few ideas there how you can get some measurability into your throwing training. Um, because it, it also as well with with throwing, a lot of people think it's uh, one of those events that oh you you can't you don't really get better at just get stronger at your squat bench deadlift and uh, and then you'll just get better at that automatically. Do you know what I mean? Whereas that whereas actually it's so so trainable. And you can you can see that measurable progression if you uh, if you get these measures in place. Anyway, so we'll wrap it up there. Good to see you, Shane. See you next week. You, mate. All the best. Diddle a dum dum. Boom boom boom. <laughs>